All right. Hey, sweet. Well, we started a new series last week called Faith Over Fear, and we think that that is important, biblical, and based on those two prophetic words that were super awesome, I have to talk now. Okay, here we go. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be actually flipping back from two different stories um, in Mark chapter 9 and Matthew 17. Uh, but this, it's the same story that we're doing uh, just by two different authors as they um, remember the same story. So Mark 9, like I said, Mark 9, I'm going to read just a few verses to you and try to jump into this and we'll see where this, where this shindig goes. Cool. When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him and asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowds answered and he said, teacher, I brought you my son who, was mute, who, had a, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they could not cast it out. But, or so that they can cast it out, I'm sorry, but they could not. He answered them and he said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy to me. Let's pray. Jesus, whew, help. Amen. Amen. Well, cool. Here we go. This is a cool passage, and uh, we started a series called Faith Over Fear, and last week we talked um, right from the story where Jesus rebukes the wind when the disciples were in the boat. I don't know if you remember the story. Uh, Jesus is sleeping with his head on a pillow, the Bible says. He's comfy. The disciples are freaking out because the boat is taking on water. Pretty terrifying moment. And uh, the disciples wake up Jesus, and he is frustrated with them. He gets up, goes, rebukes the wind and the waves, yells at his disciples and goes back to bed. Or at least that's the way I see it in my head. And, uh, but I, I don't know how much you know about scripture, but uh, Jesus, in, in knowing the Lord, uh, I've, I've made it my goal. It's the, the, the mission of our church to make disciples. Uh, the scripture says to go into all the nations and make disciples, not necessarily Christians. So the, the goal for us as faith is not to just reach the part where we believe. We want to become a disciple, meaning we want to become like Jesus. The disciples, their, 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 their school, their training was to learn everything that Jesus taught in such a way that they can become Jesus when he wasn't there. Does that make sense? I'm Jesus, you're Jesus. I am not a better version of Jesus. We're all students. We're all learning. We're all growing. The moment you stop learning is the moment you should be in heaven. So if you have stopped learning, start learning again. Cool. Um, uh, there's some uh, uh, theology for you. So uh, when I look at this situation in this story, I realize there's a pretty big problem happening. Uh, this, there was a lot of fear in this story. And you ask, where's the fear? You never saw a little kid see, having a seizure. You never saw a little kid being thrown into water 
Again and again, uh, the gospel of Mark would say, as he would go on to the story, Jesus asked him, how often would this happen? And the father says, it's common that it would throw him into the fire and often into water to try to kill him. That's, that's terrifying. Uh, to be a parent, to, to have anyone in your life, when you love someone, when you can't fix the problem, it's scary. Uh, I, I, I've seen so many scenarios where like you are at the hospital and people are getting angry with doctors or nurses, not because they're doing something wrong because they're just not doing it fast enough. Like you, you just want the pain to go away and say, I'd rather the pain in my life than in someone else I love. You just want it to be fixed. And this father, man, it's terrifying to see this happen again and again and again for years. And um, this series is about faith. I don't know how much you know about Jesus, but Jesus, as he would do his teachings again and again and again, he got annoyed as I read the gospels. Yes. He got annoyed by two things, annoyed, like mad, or I should say like uh, visibly frustrated. Yeah. Two things got Jesus upset. Religious people, he didn't like them. Uh, and, and when I, I'm not religious, I mean, we really want to make sure that you understand it's relationship with Jesus, like relationship trumps rules. And so, uh, Jesus was always angry at the religious people and he was always frustrated with the lack of faith in his disciples. He would rebuke them again and again and again and again. And you heard it when he said, I mean, it's, that's pretty harsh. Let's face it. Uh, these guys are trying to help a little kid. And Jesus says to them, how long do I got to be stay with you? Uh, you know, how you, you generation, how, how long shall I bear you? How long must I be with you? Bring the kid here. Like uh, it's the scenario of a dad telling their kids or a mom telling their kids, uh, to, to be, make wise decisions with your money, you know, because you're going to go out and say it again and again and again, or, or make good relationships again and again and again, because how long do I got to explain this to you? Like get it in your head. And Jesus is not being kind anymore. Well, if we read this same story in, Ma in Matthew, it would say this way. When, when, when they had come to the multitude, a man came with him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear you? He's, the statement is to his disciples who are trying to do what God wants them to do. And... Uh, I think that this is funny. My first point today, if you're taking notes, would be when your situation seems bigger than your faith. Imagine the dad. I mean, just constantly trying, hoping the situation gets better. And I, I don't know if you've been in this situation, you know, I don't know what situation seems hopeless for you. Is it, is it the, the C word, cancer? Ooh, I mean, just, just, just rough, right? Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a financial situation where you just hit the wall and you've, you've tapped. Uh, we can't do it. Maybe it's, it's a point in your marriage where you just don't think it can actually get better. 
In the body of Christ, there must be an ingredient that we have to possess if we're going to be Christians that live a life that pleases God. And last week we dove into this. We said, what, what is it that's, that's attractive to God? What is one ingredient that we must have? The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you don't believe in your marriage, it's impossible to have a good marriage. If you don't believe that you can do whatever it is you got to do, it's impossible to be quality at it. Like imagine having an athlete on your team that doesn't believe that they're capable of doing the play. Man, can we get anyone else here? Like I'll take the water boy, but give me someone that believes in what we're about to do here. And that's Jesus. But for whatever reason, there was a situation where the disciples swallowed their throat when this little boy was brought to them and they got the feeling, they couldn't do it. When your situation is bigger than your faith, oh, that's terrible. It's hopelessness that enters in. You just sit into a moment where you realize this is the outcome. You know, our marriage is not going to improve. This pain in my body, it's always going to be there. Who's selling you that thing? I don't know if you understand the, the scenarios of Jesus, but I have not found in the Bible a situation where Jesus entered into and said, nope, it's hopeless. Right. Maybe I'm reading something wrong, but the purpose of us having scripture is not for us to um, cast an opinion. This book is designed to change the way that our thought patterns work. And so what's really difficult is if you choose to walk by faith, not by sight, this book changes the way that you think. It's designed because life is going to tell you what can't be done. And this book is going to teach you what can be done. We're going to constantly hit a wall and we have to learn the God that breaks through walls. Like he is the God that like the stone couldn't hold him back. You know what I mean? Like death couldn't hold him. Like we are people of faith. We're people of hope in the midst of a hopeless generation. Yes. And so when this little boy was brought to the disciples, they tried. Yeah. They couldn't do it, and it frustrated Jesus. Now, we went through the same scenario last week, so I don't want you to think this is one story. It's again and again and again and again where the disciples, like the wind and the wave, Jesus, were going to drown, and he's like, what's wrong with you guys? Do you not believe? And I don't know what it is where we've seen and know that God is able, but have convinced ourselves that this is not, God has met his match in my life. I am up against something that God just, can God build a rock so big he can't lift it? This is the one rock that God can't. Why? Why, why do we do that to ourselves? And I think that this is a frustrating scenario. When you give responsibility to someone who refuses to keep trying because they have convinced themselves they can't. When your situation is bigger than your faith. Well, I want to keep reading here for you. Uh, and, and there's, I don't necessarily know why God wanted me to read the same story in both chapters, but he wanted me to read the same story in both chapters. So here we go. So this is uh, Mark, no, this is Matthew chapter 18. And my second point today is when your God can do anything, anything. Like if he wants the sun to stand still, he can do that. 
And if he wants to destroy a nation without going to war, he can do that. And if he wants to bring provision into your life, fed by ravens, he can do that. There is nothing that he can't do. The scripture would say that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we have to get to the point where we choose to believe and have faith over fear. Fear is paralyzing, and fear will convince you to stop trying. So anyways, before I give my point when God can do anything, I want to make sure that you know that biblically, at its core, God wants you to have freedom. If you know God, the scripture says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. In other words, he wants you to have liberty in your life. In every We are people that possess victory. We are people that possess joy. But failure has taught us not for me. And that's because we're not in Scripture. So here we go. When your God can do anything, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, he says it this way. Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, I'm going to go over to Mark and read the same passage so you understand that it's not just Matthew that's saying this. Matthew, I know, you're like, well, it's a pastor. Come on, man. Of course he's going to. When Jesus saw the people and came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one that was dead. So many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, this is cool for me. And there's a couple of things I think I want to bring you to understand. One, there is zero limitation on the God that creates universes. Yes. Right? He can do whatever he wants. And if he's already, the scripture already says what God wants to do, it's our job to proclaim it. We're going to get there. What I find interesting in this story when Jesus starts praying is that he doesn't address what we see. So if it's us, right, and this little kid starts convulsing or having a seizure, many times we would act in the natural first, and then in the spirit. We do this all the time. I'm going to show you how you do it also. If someone says, um, I, I've got this illness or this disease, the next question out of our mouth is, well, what did the doctor say? Yeah. Right? Yes. I, I'm, not, I'm not, it's not, but like, if Jesus is trying to train the disciples how to possess faith, then faith is where it starts. It doesn't start in relying on wisdom. Now, I am not saying, you are not hearing the pastor say, we don't use medicine, or we don't use wisdom, or we don't use a counselor, or we don't go, get as much help as you can. Some of you need far more help than you're getting right now in your life. <laughs> but it starts with believing. Like, I don't care what medicine you're getting. If you don't have faith, I, I spoke with a man yesterday, we, we, we were talking, uh, and he overcame cancer twice. And he was talking about when he's, when, when, the, when, the, when the, stuff, the, the drugs are going into his body, how he's having to, to tell himself that he's going to get through this. He's going to get through this. He's going to get, because you can't quit fighting. 
and don't stop. Come on. Anyway, okay, cool. It's biblical. Someone said once that the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. And so what I see Jesus doing in this passage, I think it's important for you to know as an American that things are still spiritual. Devils didn't all of a sudden disappear now that we, like Jesus is not here. Like they still exist. And we live in a spiritual society. I am not one that likes to say that the devil's in the light bulb or he's behind that corner because I just choose to believe that God is bigger than, I I don't even, I want to lift my eyes above the enemy. Does that make sense? However, in this situation, Jesus recognizes this is spiritual. And as an American, I don't know why, but the devil has gotten really good at not showing, strongholds still exist. They are 100% still going on in people's minds, in people's hearts, within people's marriages. Look at our country right now. It is massively spiritual what's going on right now. This is not like just two people having an argument. Like There's just straight discord. People just hate each other right now. It's bad. And I don't know why when what the Lord is saying is unity. Like God's just trying to get his people back together again. And there's so much discord. There's so much hatred. There's so much I'm right going on in the culture. Spiritual. So Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. I've been overseas countless times and it's to my advantage that I get to go overseas. I've seen so many miracles. Like I've seen bones healed, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, like legs like legs stretch, all kinds of stupid cool stuff where it's just awesome. And I know that as uh someone that's just listening today you say, "Well, it's easier for you to believe because you've saw those things." No. I had to choose to believe before I saw them. Yeah. And you have to choose to believe. I think it's more difficult to see miracles in the States because we rely more on medicine and we rely more on wisdom of man and we rely more on counseling than we do scripture and saying this is where we start right here. But I've seen countless times like a demon manifest in someone and it gets crazy and their eyes roll back of their head and Tony's not here anymore. And like, whoa, this is just got interesting. But I think that the enemy has gotten smart that those types of things don't happen in the States as often. But, I mean, every religion, including, like, the devil's religion, like the demonic stuff, all believe in the demonic. But somewhere, we just tell ourselves as Americans that we can believe in God, but that stuff is too spiritual. So, it doesn't, it's not... I want to make sure you understand that there is a devil. There are demons. And they are at work trying to create division in your marriage. They are at work trying to sell you information through television, through all kinds of stuff, to get your eyes off of Jesus. Like, the, like what is God trying to do? Steal your attention. That's what the devil's trying to do. And uh, so anyways, in this story, God can do anything. And I see Jesus just simply 
rebuke this spirit. And I want you to know that he's still doing that today. Okay. But that being said, do you believe that God can do anything? And, and the hard part, that I, I said this last week, and man, I feel like it's so real for us because I believe that God can do anything for you, but it's hard to, to believe that he can do it for me. Anyone else ever fall snare to that? It's just hard to believe that God's going to move in my situation. And you've, it's because we're not lined up with Scripture. Because truth is trying to present itself to us. So Jesus said it this way, and I'm just going to choose to believe Jesus today over my own opinion. In Matthew chapter 17, he would say this. For surely I say to you, if you have faith, as a mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move for you. For nothing will be, read that word with me. Nothing Nothing will be impossible for you. I'm going to read it in uh, in the gospel of Mark. I think that this is super cool. He says in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, if you believe All things are possible to him who believes. Read that with me. All things are possible to him who believes. Not some things, all things. Jesus would go on to say that greater things you will do than the things that I'm doing. And the frustration part that Jesus is having is that the disciples aren't getting their mission. He's constantly upset that they don't believe because the moment that you stop believing is the moment you stop trying. And so you you move to find another solution. But if the solution isn't God, what is is the solution really from God? And so I, I, I encourage you to bring God into the process of using wisdom, please, into your diet and into all these other things you're doing. But it's gotta come from Jesus. And so... If all things are, are possible, here's, we have this saying in our house. Uh, Mia was in the first service, and so I got her to help me. She's the, running the camera, and she's so adorable. She runs the camera for all you guys doing the thing, and, and William's doing it today, but he's not nearly as cute as she is. And, uh, and so anyways, Mia's eight, and she was uh, running, uh, she was here, and, uh, and so we have a saying in the Broughton household, and we repeat this at least once a week, that Broughton's never quit. Broughton's never quit. We want to create culture in our home. And so we repeat culture as often. We don't correct what's wrong. We just talk about what's right more and more and more and more. And because what I've learned is I want my kids to know that they can do anything. There's nothing that they can't do. And so they'll want something real bad and then they'll get frustrated that they try. And the moment that I see them quit something that they wanted to do, I'll get on them. No, 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 no. Broughton's never quit. Yeah, no, dad. Okay, let's go. Come on. We're in it together now. And I'm helping them. And that's what's happening here with the disciples. Jesus is trying to say anything is, is possible to him who believes because that's the heart of the father. Yeah. There is nothing that we can't do. There's a lot of things that we're not good at. But if we keep trying, you know, like uh, we have a young man that's on the media team. And uh, today's his first day starting. And, and he walked in today. And, I, you know, I just get frustrated when people that are fit get around me. They just look better than me. 
And uh, they, they, I know that I have the same ability that they have, but I just am not cut from the same cloth. And that's not true. Because I, I, I asked him, I said, do you, uh, do you work out? Of course, he works out. I, I can see he's cut in every facet of his life. I just don't have discipline. I, I could look like, well, I could look better than him. If I wanted to. But I, I don't. But it's not God's fault. It's possible. And so let me remind you, you have the finances that you need. We just haven't spent them in the right places. You, you, you can have the marriage that you want to have. We just haven't dealt with it the way, like, we just aren't stewards with the things that God has given us. And so then we get frustrated when the results aren't what we thought they were going to be. I'm going to show you this right from but God's saying all things are possible. It's 100% possible and it's 100% possible for you. In any scenario that you can't or you hit a wall, maybe you, we forgot about Easter, right? Like I read the end of the book. I know how this thing works. And so uh, I know it's possible. God is telling me it's possible. God is telling me it's possible. God is telling me all things are possible to him who believes. And so uh, God wants you to find freedom. And because I choose to believe that all things are possible, I believe that it's the culture of our church that faith makes a difference. When we believe, we have just that much more confidence. And so this is uh, uh, what, what I see here, and this is where I have empathy for you, is I have the same problem that you have based on this story. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you through, and we're going to walk this through together. This is going to be good. At least, I think, it was good for me. Hopefully, <laughs> a question arose. That's my next point. A question arose. So in, in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 17, verse 19 through 20, Listen to what the disciples said. Because you've asked this question before. You didn't know it, but you did. Um, what is the thing I'm reading here? This is 19 and 20. Not 19 and 20. Anyways, you got it on the screen. So the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? You ever have that same problem? God, I tried. I prayed. It didn't work. All right, in the other translation, in Matthew, he says it this way. He says, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Oh, that's the same translation. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say, wait, just go back. There we go. For, for I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, right? Well, in the other translation, in Mark, he says it this way. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. I love this. Because when you, when you failed at something and you got rebuked publicly, you want to talk privately, right? Hey, Jesus. And you just help me for a second. Why couldn't I do it? I prayed. And I, I had faith like a mustard seed. I, I mean, I, I tried. And so here's, here's what I have found. And this is what the scripture says. And this is where we are as a church. And so we want to see you all take the next step with Christ. We want to see you grow. This is how you grow spiritually. Jesus said, very simply, in both translations, in Matthew and in Mark, that these kinds of things only come out with prayer and with fasting. So we're in the middle of a 21-day fast right now. And uh, you're like, man, I can't do that. I, I know. Look, I, I tell myself the same thing. <laughs> I can't do this again, Lord Jesus. Today's my, my tab out day. Fasting is terrible. It's not fun. I don't like it. I like food. Uh, but here's what I like. I like having spiritual confidence. I like knowing that my life is pleasing to God. I like knowing that I'm obeying the things that Jesus is saying. 
For example, let me give you an example of obedience where it's good, but I don't like it. I don't like giving money, but I like giving money. Like, I like this money when it's better in my hand, but when I let it go, man, that felt really good. That's really weird to need that so much and give it and get that rewarded. Fasting is that way. You don't realize that it's working inside of you. The scripture says that what we're trying to do, there's flesh and spirit. That's, this is your, your makeup, okay? And your flesh is always wanting to do selfish things. Relax, be comfortable, eat more, relax. But it feels rewarded when there's discipline in your physical body, right? Like when you start eating healthier, you start feeling better. The first couple steps aren't real fun. Let me just tell you, if you don't work out. Uh, it's the same with eating. Well, your spirit loves fasting because it wants prayer, but it doesn't feel good at it. But when you start fasting and saying no to your flesh, but saying yes to your spirit, it starts growing. What the disciples didn't have was confidence. What they were doing was repeating what they heard Jesus do, but it wasn't working because they hadn't yet started prayer and fasting. Now, this is what I mean. Fasting is awesome because, like, all right, here's a good example. Everyone believes that we should pray, right? Yeah. Right? So there's people walking into your life with bad situations that you should be praying for, but instead we turn it to a natural conversation and just ask, you know, how it's working out for them, pat them on the back and wish them on their way, yeah. right? Yeah. But we should pray for them. In church, often I'll ask people as a pastor, hey, will you pray? And they're like, I don't know why, because they think that I can pray better than them. And I don't know why, because there's no such thing as like a great prayer to God who's looking down from heaven. Like he's not, he doesn't enjoy my prayers more than your prayers. He just loves me and he loves you. And all he really wants is relationship with you. So, so if, if you think you should, because you pray less, you should pray less. Like if, if you not praying enough is making you pray less, that's, that's not coming from Jesus. Right. The Lord is always just wanting you. And he's not condemning you. So he's just, just come here. Now, fasting is really good because it's, it's, it's a discipline. So like working out, you get stronger. Your spirit gets stronger. And it grows more confident. Yeah. Like running, you have more confidence that tomorrow I'm going to run a little further. When you fast, you believe in your prayers a little bit more. Yes, come on. Here's what I mean. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit is, there's like nine of them. Remember when we were in like kids' church? I wasn't ever in kids' church, but they taught them and they hung them on the wall. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self and discipline. Depends on the And so, so this discipline develops confidence in the Spirit of God inside of us. And so what happens is when you begin to believe in your prayers a little bit more than you did before, because you know fasting does not make God love you more. I want to make sure you know that. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. I fast out of obedience to God, and what I find is it strengthens who I am. It builds confidence inside of me. And so when Jesus is saying, he's rebuking them because they don't believe, but he knows they don't believe because they don't fast or pray. And what's happening is we have this faith muscle that we're not exercising at all in our life, and then we're wondering why it's not working when we tried to do it the way we saw someone else do it. You'll have more confidence in who God's calling you to be when you're doing the things that God's asking you to do. And so 
just like my kids riding a bicycle, I get behind them, I encourage them, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And the more they try, the more they, they see a little bit of progress and a little bit of progress. And as a dad, we encourage that progress. And you're doing good, you're doing good, you're doing good. The father knows if Jesus had to fast, chances are likely you should too. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I mean, I'm just trying to make sure you know what we look like. Cool. Faith over fear. I see a story of a man who was hopeless, who brought that hope to his disciples, and his disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus was mostly upset because he knows there's a day coming really soon where I'm not going to be there. And unless you pay your pastor thousands of dollars, he's not going to follow you everywhere you go and pray for your friends. The reality is, is that we don't need a church to do ministry. We come to remember how to do ministry and be who God's calling us to be. There are people in your life right now and their marriage is in a bad spot. There are people in your life right now that they're in a physical problem in their life. There are people in a financial jam. And it's our job to use the reflex of faith over fear. Can you believe when everyone around you says, no, pray with them. And I believe that that confidence grows when you pray and you fast. So we're going to keep talking about this thing because it's a frustration of Jesus that he wants to see his people believe more. And it's something that he's like desiring, like how strong are we going to be if we don't believe in the purpose that we have and have the confidence to go make a difference? Remember, Jesus said, I must go away and I'm going to give you my spirit. His spirit lives in you. The same thing that enabled Jesus to do enables you to do, enables me to do. We just have to learn to cultivate that faith and believe ourselves that God is still able. All right. I'm mostly done. Rachel, would you come? Hey, would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? The most important part of probably every service to me is, is this moment. Because I, I know uh, that I'm grateful that the Spirit of God is, is, is moving in people's lives right now. And I, I'm so grateful to know that there, is, there are people right now and God's calling you into a greater relationship with Him. You're not right with the Lord. There's things that God has been asking you to do and you're just not doing them. And so you may believe in Jesus, but you're, you're not living for Him. And so you haven't found your purpose. Jesus is calling you into a relationship with him. And your heart's going to be frustrated until the moment that you surrender to him. He is your destiny. Oh, Jesus. Speaking to those of you online right now, sitting at your house or on your couch. God's just calling you. And I don't know how to explain any better than the Holy Spirit would be on you right now. And he's a friend. And deep down in your knower, you know, I got to change some things. That's God talking to you right now and asking you to say this prayer with your pastor. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand right now? Man, God bless you. That's awesome. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that you would forgive us. I'm asking that you would cleanse us. I'm asking that you would bring change right now in the name of Jesus. All we want is to live a life for you, so I give you my life today.
in Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, I want you to know that it is God's will for you to possess freedom in every area of your life. I believe physically, mentally, spiritually, socially. The Lord wants you to be whole. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Some of you just haven't stepped into the identity that God's calling you to do. There's the confidence he's calling you to, to, to be. This isn't believing, it's being. And, uh, well, with that being said, we're going to sing a song. And I believe that this song is just powerful. Some of you know it, some of you don't. And I just ask you to close your eyes. Some of you need to lift your hands. Some of you maybe even need to stand. Uh, but I just want Rachel to sing this song over us because it's powerful.
the God of miracles. Come on, sing, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Cause you're the God of miracles. Come on, sing that one more time. We're proclaiming that this morning. Nothing's impossible. Cause you're the God of miracles. Jesus. In just a couple minutes, we're going to um, pray for some folks that need healing in their bodies. And I uh, just want you to think about that right now for a couple minutes. We have some things coming up on the calendar that's going to be pretty rad. I think it's in like three weeks. We're going to do some water baptisms. There's some people here that have made some decisions for Jesus. And you need to know that if it's new, uh, I wear a wedding ring because I want the world to know that I'm married. And Jesus said, I want you to tell the world. And you do that through water baptism. And so um, it, it, maybe you haven't taken that next step, and it could be cool to sign up. Hey, I want to clear up one last thing theologically um, before we get out of here. Um, I've been in this Christian thing now for a few years, and so I've seen some really funny things happen where church people act a fool and do some stupid things, and it, it really, sometimes it annoys me. Um, and I, I still love people uh, and ministers, even when their theology is wrong uh, and not as good as mine. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that always thinks I'm right. But on this subject, I think it's important that we handle this the right way. Maybe you've been in a situation where someone prayed for you and you didn't get the healing you wanted and they may have looked at you as if it was your fault. Um, like you don't have enough faith or um, there's sin involved in the situation somewhere. I don't know about anything, but when I'm looking at scripture, basically Jesus looked at the disciples and said, it's your fault, Jack. And so uh, there's a, a popular evangelist that some people hate. His name's Todd White. And uh, he, he basically said, when I pray for someone, if they don't get healed, I believe that God wants them healed. I think it's my fault. Like, I just, I've got to get better at that. And so there's some things in my life I'm not, I haven't developed the strength to do yet. You know, like I still can't lift 120 pounds. But, um, that was kind of a joke, but like, uh, maybe, <laughs> I hope I can. I don't know if I can actually. <laughs> but but I, I know that I possess the ability to do it. It's just a matter of whether or not I'll practice to get there. Does that make sense? Uh, some people are like, I can't run a mile. You can. You, you just aren't fit yet. But you can be uh, because the Bible says you can. And does that make sense? So um, I believe that uh, it's on me and it's on you. So when you pray and you ain't got there yet, start exercising your faith. And uh, we're going to tell ourselves if we can't ride a bike, tomorrow I'm going to try again. And tomorrow I'm going to try again. Because uh, the Wayans never quit. You know, I don't know what we call, what, what are our people's names, you know. We, we, we's never quit, right? I don't know. Okay, cool. 
Stop this thing here. All right. So in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for, for, uh, for this house. I thank you that you're moving. I thank you that you're reaching with people online today. I, I thank you, God, that you are activating a, a, a faith that makes a difference in the world that we live in. And so, Lord, you are doing great things in us and through us. And I'm thankful for those that are acting in obedience right now to, to say yes to this fast and say yes to praying and seeking you and pushing things aside to make more room for you because we give up things we love for things we love more and we choose to love you more than the things of this world. So Lord, uh, thank you that you're with these people and I speak a blessing over them today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you want prayer for anything in your body uh, or in your life, come on down and we'll pray for you. It'll be great.